continue our way through the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be finishing up uh, Mark 14. So if you have your Bible or an app or whatever, you're you're welcome to join us uh, there. Uh, Most recently, we have seen uh, Jesus on trial and convicted, if you will, uh, last week for, for blasphemy. At the same time Jesus is on trial... We have Peter, Peter who's, as we saw last week, who followed along from a distance, and this morning we're going to pick up with Peter and what Peter is doing while Jesus is on trial. Now to get us there, I want to just refresh our minds real quickly by jogging through a little bit of Mark 14 and just seeing what Peter has been going through just in the last few hours, okay, before we approach our text this morning. Okay, you'll remember the la- they had the Last Supper with Jesus, and then they go to the Mount of Olives. And when they get to the Mount of Olives, Jesus tells them that, that all of them, all of his disciples, they're going to all scatter. And do you remember what Peter says in verse 29, chapter 14? What do he say? Even though they all will fall, I will not. Indeed, Jesus tells him, truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And Peter then emphatically said, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. Of course, very fateful words for our text this morning. And from there, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and and Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and he asks them to come and watch with him and pray with him. And what happens? That they sleep. And he came, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour, watch and pray, that you may not enter into temptation? The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And then just a little bit later, they come to arrest Jesus. And what do we see Peter do? Verse 47, but one of those, who was Peter, drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus is then taken off, taken off to the high priest's house to be put on trial. And as we read last week, verse 54, Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. And then, this is where we get to our text this morning. While Jesus is on trial, Mark then tells us what was going on with Peter at the same time as he was starting to warm himself at the fire, and we pick up at verse 66, and this is where we'll be focusing uh, this morning. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, She looked at him and she said, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and and began again to say to the bystanders, "This, this is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and he wept. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we need you present this morning. We need you to speak through your word. Oh, would you speak to us? Would you send Holy Spirit to apply your word to our heart that we might know our Savior better, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
As I was thinking about this week's sermon, I began to think, we, we all like heroes, don't we? And, and often, what are the type of heroes that we really like? I think we tend to like bold and brash heroes. That's why we kind of like Peter, right? We, we identify with him. I was thinking back to like Star Wars, you know, the original Star Wars, and, and you have Luke Skywalker, and you have Han Solo, and who's your favorite? Now, I did Google this, and I found that there are some people who actually get this, the answer to this question wrong and say Luke Skywalker. But I'm here to tell you, it's, it's Han Solo, right? He's the bold, the brash one, the one that just goes out there, you know, Luke Skywalker, he's the whiny one who, who, who doesn't, you know, is, he doesn't even seem to know what to do. And we look at Han Solo and like, hey, that's the kind of man that we would want to be, right? That's the kind of man that you would want if you're a woman, maybe. You know, we, 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 we kind of hold that kind of idea up. And so we look at Peter and we see him in the gospel and we see him standing out. And we like what we see. We like the boldness of him back in, in Mark chapter 8 where what does he do? Jesus asks him, who do you say that I am? And he says, you are the Christ. And we love that moment of boldness, don't we? We love that moment of boldness where, where Peter has the audacity to step out on the water. It's incredible, right? We, we, we love this kind of hero. We, we love the confidence of him when Jesus says, y'all are going to all scatter. And Peter says, not me. I mean, them, probably, maybe, but, but not me. I'm not going anywhere, Jesus. I got your back. And we love that, that, that kind of character, right? I will, I will never deny you. But as we follow Peter along, this bold and this brash one, the rock, we see that the rock begins to crumble. And he actually begins to crumble into pieces. We read just a moment ago of, of Jesus in the garden with him. And, and what did he do? Jesus said, can you come pray with me? And what did, what did Peter do? He slept. He slept. Why did, why did he sleep? This is, you must see the downfall, I think, of Peter. You see, in that moment, he was big, he was bold. He didn't think he needed prayer. He didn't, he didn't need that. He, he was bold enough. He was going to go to the very end with Jesus. And so he could sleep. But at the same time, you see Jesus. What is, Jesus is like in, in torment over what is ahead of him. And he goes to prayer because he knows he needs his Father in heaven. He knows he needs the ministry of Holy Spirit in his life. And while he's doing that, Peter's off sleeping. I was just thinking this week, what would have happened if Peter had prayed that night with Jesus? Jesus' end wouldn't have been any different. He was going to the cross. That was his intention. But I sure wonder if Peter would have handled the trials that were coming for him in a very different way. If he had prayed, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from evil, what would have happened if he had prayed those words? Maybe he wouldn't have the torment of the soil, of his soul, the torment of his soul that we see in our passage this morning as he breaks down weeping at the end of it. We like the idea when we see Peter the warrior, right? You know, stepping, you know, they're going to arrest Jesus and Peter just steps up, you know, to, to try to defend Jesus and, and cuts off the ear, Right? There's something about us that like you, you like that kind of defense of Jesus, that kind of love of him, but we also must remember at that moment, that's another misstep for Peter. It's another misstep. Jesus has already told Peter over and over again where he's going, right? He must go to his death. Peter should know this, and what is Peter doing? He's trying to stand in the way 
of the very thing that Jesus has told him over and over. Peter's thinking, my will, not your will, Jesus. My will. I want you to stay around. I, I want to build this kingdom up with you right here, right now. I don't want you going to your death. And he tries to stand in between him and cuts off the ear of the servant. And so they take Jesus away, and, and Peter, he follows at a distance, understand. He's scared. He, he's not ready yet to give up and scatter, so he, he kind of follows along. He's, he's trying to be the rock, okay? He's trying to hold himself together. He's trying to power through. And then we get to our text, verse 66, a little slave girl, a servant girl, somebody with the least power, the least authority, has no authority over him, comes up to him and says to him, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. And he says, I neither know nor understand what you mean. He went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. Peter, here's the moment, he, he, he can't even tell this servant girl, this one with no authority, he can't tell her the truth. And understand at this same moment, you understand what's happening, right? Jesus is in the courtroom up above, if you will, and, and he's in that courtroom, and he's testifying before the Sanhedrin, the one who do have power. Slave girl, no power. Sanhedrin have great power, and he tells the truth even though he knows it'll lead to his death, and Peter instead begins to distance himself from Jesus, the one that he said he would never deny and then probably a little bit of time passes. It's not immediately after, maybe even an hour, we get to verse 69, and the servant girl, she sees him again. And she began to say to the other bystanders, this man is one of them. But he denied it. He said, no, no what, are you, what, what are you talking about? But it keeps rolling. It, it gets worse for Peter. I mean, this one, the rock, right? The, the one who holds everything together. He's the strong one. The rock is crumbling. And the rock is about to be totally pulverized and turned into just dust, a pile of dust on the floor. After a little while, verse 70, the, the, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you're one of them, them for you're, you're a Galilean. We can hear your accent. We can hear the way you're talking. You, you must be one of Jesus' followers. Verse 71, he, he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And he's a pile of dust. The rock has been totally pulverized. He has as boldly distanced himself from Jesus as he possibly could. He's invoking a curse on himself. He's saying, if what I'm saying is not true, then you can kill me. Take me out. That's how much he was denying Jesus. And don't miss that the one who had called Jesus the Christ, who proclaimed him to be the Messiah, just calls him this man. This man. Can't even say his name. He distances himself from that so much. Jesus was up in the courtroom being convicted of blasphemy that he didn't commit. And here's Peter at the same time, in a sense, committing the very blasphemy that Jesus is being, being put through the courts for. And we wonder, and we think, how can Peter go from such a crescendo moment in Mark of prof professing Jesus as the Christ? How can he go from that 
to just calling Jesus this man, and I don't even know him. How did he get there? We're given clues as we go along. Part of it is, I think, Peter's pride, isn't it? That, that pride that says they might, but me, never. That pride that, that, that's thought. I mean, and Peter, I think, genuinely thought it. He thought he could persevere. He thought he was strong enough. He was a big enough rock. He could, he could do this. He thought in his flesh he could handle whatever trials were ahead of him. But when the trials came... He was pulverized. He thought, out of his own pride, he thought he knew best, right? He was doing his will. He thought his way was the best way, and he he cuts off the ear of the servant. Why? Out of his pride, thinking that he knows better than Jesus, the path. Peter, the rock, he thought he could do it. Sometimes you and I, we think that same thing, can't, don't we? We think somehow we can persevere on our own, that we can make it through on our own, that we are strong enough, that maybe somehow we can withstand this trial, whatever it is before us, that, that we on our own can say no to this sin. And what do we find ourselves doing? But so often crumbling, just like Peter did. Now, this isn't Peter's only mistake. It's not just pride, but I I think as a result of his pride, I think that led him not to pray. That led him to sleep that night. He slept instead. And as I was preparing the sermon, it was at this point that I kind of became convicted. As I was writing, you know, writing out my notes for this morning on Friday and I was suddenly convicted like, Steve, you're, you have the boldness and the audacity to think that you can stand up here on Sunday morning and preach and you've prayed so little about it. You see, what's going on here this morning, I, I can't manufacture, I can't make. I can't apply the word of God to your hearts. Only Holy Spirit can do that. And I find myself doing all the preparation and doing all the hard work, and, and I can do this, and I, I can make it happen. And, and so I paused, and, and, I, and I began to pray. This is where it gets worse, not better, by the way. <laughs> Revealing the, the heart of your pastor, and, and I'm sorry. So I begin to pray, and I think genuinely pray. But then as we so often do, as we begin to pray, what happens? Our minds get distracted. And then I began to think, oh, this will make a great sermon illustration. And you laugh. And I understand why, but in that moment, my heart was broken. Like, it's still all about me. It's still my performance. It's still me coming up with the... We need Holy Spirit this morning to be at work on us applying the word to our hearts if all of this is going to be of anything this morning. Don't think for a moment that that you can make it through this life without prayer. We can't do this on our own. Peter tried. (laughs) We've tried, right? We, we, We know. Over and over we've been crushed. And all of this, this pride, this lack of prayer, I think it led ultimately to, I think one of the biggest problems for Peter is that he failed to be able to see his own heart. 
He failed to see how broken his heart really was. He, he didn't understand how dark it really was on the inside. He was, too com- he was confident in his flesh, right? He did not see. It was nowhere in his mind. It, it, he couldn't even consider the possibility that he would abandon his friend. He really believed that. I think he believed the words that he said to Jesus very strongly when he said, I will never abandon you. He believed him in that moment. He thought he was big enough. He thought he was strong enough. He could never imagine the day that he would deny Jesus three times. And yet it's only a couple hours later that he does that very thing. He didn't know what his heart was capable of doing. Yet the warning signs, as we've already talked about, they were all there, right? That the pride that we see so evident and so often in Peter. We see the fact that he, he doesn't pray when Jesus calls him to watch and pray because the, the flesh is willing, but the spirit is weak, right? He, we, we see it in the fact that he didn't listen to Jesus. Jesus said, this is the way, this is where I must go. And Peter says, no, I'm going to cut off the guy's ear. I'm going to defend you. I don't want you to go where you told me you have to go. You see, it's in this moment where, 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 where Jesus reveals to Peter. And Peter, I think, finally sees his heart. He sees how broken his heart is in this moment. He sees suddenly that the rock has, has turned into just this pulverized pile of dust. Question for you and I as we think through this this morning, I think sometimes we make that fatal, fatal flaw of Peter of thinking, oh, there's no way I could ever do that. There's no way I could ever go back to that sin. There's never, there's, oh, that's beyond me. I could never return there. The moment you say that, you're allowing an entryway. Don't miss it. Please don't miss it. You must always be on watch. You see, we find ourselves so often denying Jesus. We don't like hearing it that way, right? We don't like to hear it said that we denied Jesus. We, we don't want to say that, but don't we? Every time we choose a sin, right? Every time we say that, that this sin is more precious than he is, we're denying him. We're, we're denying the truth that he is, has brought to us. We find ourselves denying him when we fail to love well. We love, why? Because he first loved us. We, we know that, right? And we deny him when we don't love those in our lives well. We don't care for them well. We deny him when we don't love others by, by telling them about him. When we don't tell them about him, we deny him. And maybe one of the worst ways that we deny him is when we go through large swaths of our week or our day and don't even think about him, don't even contemplate him, move through our day without even, without even giving him a second thought. We put him in, the, 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 we put him in his little pen. You know, we, we spend a little bit of time maybe with him in the morning if we're, if we're lucky. Maybe we pray with him in the evening if we're lucky. And, and then the rest of the day, not even considered, we find ourselves denying him practically in the way that so often we live out our days. Now, this is pretty, <laughs> this is tough, 
We don't like to hear this. I don't like to hear this. I don't like to have to preach this, that, that, that we find ourselves constantly denying our Savior, the one who gave everything for us. But I want you to just also see this morning that there's beauty in our story before us. There's beauty from this pulverized <laughs> dust that's now on the ground that was one that's the strong rock of Peter. And Jesus is going to do his work of building Peter back up, of transforming him. But to transforming, he had to take him down to his very depths. Peter had to see himself for who he really was. And we get to verse 72. Immediately, the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. He broke down. And he wept. I think this moment, I think this is the beginning of Peter's healing. This is the moment when reality has hit him. And he finally understands how broken he is. He understands how much he really needs Jesus. He, he, he begins to see his heart for what it really is. He sees that he was able to do the thing that he said, there's no way I could ever do. And if that's not enough, Luke tells the story just a little bit differently. He adds another little fact in that I think is so helpful to us this morning. Verse 61, chapter 22. And the Lord looked and he turned. The Lord turned and he looked at Peter. He wept. His Savior locked eyes with him. What were in those eyes? What were in Jesus' eyes? We, we like to think of maybe what naturally comes to our mind is that, that, that there was disappointment in them. Peter, couldn't you have just lasted with me? And, and we, that begins to play through us. And Maybe there was a little bit of that. Jesus had been betrayed by his dear friend. But more than that, and I'm confident of this, in his eyes were love. Love that said to Peter in that moment, that moment where he had just denied him for the third time, he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, I love you. Even though you've denied me, I will not deny you. Peter, where I'm going right now, I'm going to for you. For your denial of me, I'm going to that cross. That's the wonder of what Peter must have seen in those eyes. How do I know that's true? We know that's true because of what happens with Peter afterwards. In, 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 in the Gospel of John in chapter 21, we're, we're told a little bit more of the story where this is after Jesus' death, after his resurrection. And Peter and Jesus have a literal come-to-Jesus moment, Okay? Um, and Peter, or Jesus keeps asking Peter, he asks him, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, of course I love you. And, and Jesus says again, Peter, do you, do you love me? He says, yes, of, of course I love you. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said it a third time. It hit into his soul. He knew why it was three times. 
He had denied him three times, and, and now his Savior right there in front of him and asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter's response to this moment, as he's being built back, as he's being reformed out of the dust that was pulverized, he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. You know that I love you. And Peter did, and his love was growing. He was in the process of being transformed, and how beautiful it is, understanding this moment, that Jesus doesn't ask him, Peter, are you ever going to deny me again? He doesn't ask him that, because Peter is going to deny him again. Who knows, multiple times, as you and I deny him regularly, but we're also told about this time in Galatians 2, where, 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 where Peter denies Jesus, and Paul has to call, call him to the carpet on it, because he feared certain people, Peter began to retreat back from the gospel and Paul had to confront him on it and say, you're denying Jesus. What we see here, as Jesus restores Peter, we see the incredible and the overwhelming forgiveness and grace of Jesus. Don't miss it. And this incredible love and grace that that Peter experiences that begins to reform him and he He returns as the rock, okay? But this is a very different rock. This is a rock that that suddenly doesn't just cling to himself and think he's powerful enough to, to, to just bull right through it. This is a rock that finds its foundation in Jesus Christ. He's transformed. The the, the, the one who just called Jesus this man stands up and gives that first sermon of the book of Acts, proclaiming Jesus Christ. In chapter 4 of the book of Acts, he finds himself dragged before the very Sanhedrin that Jesus was condemned by. And what does he say? "There There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name upon heaven, under heaven, given among men by which we must be saved. The one who had crumpled just a few days previously, he's, he's been transformed. And what did the Sanhedrin tell him? He says, they say, well, don't speak in Jesus' name anymore. Don't do it. The ones who had sent Jesus to, to hand him over to be crucified. And what is Peter and what is John's response to this? Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. This is a transformed Peter, isn't it? This is a totally different Peter. But it's not a Peter that stands on his own strength, his own brashness, his own boldness. This isn't Han Solo, if you will, anymore. This is one who is coming as one who knows his total dependence and his total need to depend on his Savior This is the one that's going to ultimately go to his death for Jesus, for the truth. He's no longer going to call Jesus this man. In John chapter 21, at at the end of that restoration with Jesus, Jesus says this to Peter, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands. Another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said, to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. As Jesus restores Peter, he's preparing him 
for the crucifixion that we believe Peter experienced. As you'll follow in my footsteps. How? How is Peter transformed like this? How is he so radically changed by the beginning of the book of Acts? What, 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 what has taken place in his life? There are many, many things we could say to answer that question, but I want to keep it very simple this morning. A gentleman in our denomination who's since gone on to be with the Lord has a famous saying that's been often said by, by, by many pastors, but I want to share a little bit of it with you this morning. He says this. He says, cheer up. Cheer up. You're a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine. That doesn't seem like very cheerful news. But I think if Peter were here this morning, he would say it's incredibly cheerful news. Peter would say, I had to be drawn to that moment of seeing how dark my heart was to be able to truly embrace Christ and follow him, knowing that, that my sin is far darker than I could even imagine. Do you know that? Do you know that your heart is even darker and worse than you can imagine? Cheer up. You're a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine, but it doesn't end there. And you're more loved than you ever dared hope. Do you know that truth? You see, we need to understand, I think like Peter did, and I think what ultimately transformed him was this beautiful truth of the gospel. That we're far worse than we could even imagine. Our sin is far deeper. We aren't the good people that we so often think that we are. And at the same time, we're, we're so much more loved than we could ever hope for. So loved that, that, that just like Jesus locked eyes with Peter and said, saying, I, I, you will deny me, but I will never deny you. Where I'm going, I'm going for you. If you're in Christ, Jesus says the same thing to you this morning. You deny me, I will never deny you. He went to the cross for you and I. He went to the death for you and I so that we can be washed clean, forgiven, so that we can be in eternal union with Him, that we can be justified, adopted into His incredible family. It's amazing when we can grasp the truth, this beautiful truth of the gospel knowing how we have nothing to bring to the table. And he brings everything to the table. As we begin to grasp that truth of the gospel, I think we'll begin to find our lives more and more transformed. As I believe Peter's life was transformed, he had to be taken down to dust. But he was built back up. Not by his own strength but by the power and work of our great God. Do you believe it? Do you believe that it's possible for you too? That through the good news of the gospel, you and I too can be transformed more and more each day, dying a bit more and more to sin, 
and looking just a little bit more and more each day like our Savior. Cheer up. You're a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine. And you're more loved than you ever dared hope for. Do you believe it? Let's pray. Oh, Father, we... Oh, as, as I just continue to think as we, we go through this end of Mark, it's in some ways so heavy. But we thank you for it. We need to hear. And we need to be reminded of not just Peter's betrayal, but our own. The way we... The, the way we try to manufacture our own goodness. The way that at times we think we can do this life on our own. The ways in which we so often don't even consider you as we move through our day. We need you to be at work transforming and changing us, molding us and making us. Oh, would you be doing that work through the work of your Holy Spirit, forming us, making us, helping us die more and more to sin each and every day, understanding the depths of it more and more so that we might turn more and more towards you, understanding more and more each day the wonder of the incredible grace of our Savior Jesus Christ. We pray this all in the matchless name the matchless name of the one who says to us, though you deny me, I will never deny you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.